Well, hello there and welcome to the good old days of radio show. It is fall. Fall is upon us and it is Tuesday. So that means that it's usually comedy or drama or variety. And since we like comedy here and the audience seems to like comedy, um, we'll stick with comedy for a little while. We have an episode of the Fred Allen Show. Fred Allen being probably... Fred Allen probably gets my vote for being the greatest forgotten comedian of the 1930s and 40s. He actually died in, I think, 1955 or 56. So it has been decades since anybody has (laughs) been able to see or hear Fred Allen uh, live. And so I think that uh, that's partially accounts for it. Uh, The other thing that accounts for it is there's not that many great quality Fred Allen radio shows currently floating around the universe. There are lots of them locked away at a certain university in Boston, which shall be named name shall be remain nameless Um, but until those are released to the public if ever we won't really have a whole lot of choices for fred allen shows but there are some and there are some very good ones and so i'm going to bring you one of them today it has jack benny on it fred allen and jack benny had a long time fake feud going back to the mid-30s where they would make fun of each other and uh, that continued right up until the end of Fred Al- and Fred Allen's death. But they would use this fake feud as fodder for comedy on each other's show, and they would trade guest shots on each other's show and further uh, exploit the feud. This particular one is quite famous and quite well known. It's the King for a Day skit from May 26, 1946. I am not sure of the exact source of this particular recording. I have been told it's from the Armed Forces Radio Service, but it may not be. Either way, it sounds good, and that's the main thing, because in order to appreciate Fred Allen, you want a nice-sounding show. Fred Allen was very topical. A lot of his humor was based on the events of the day or the week or whatever, which also accounts for why it's been a long time and most people don't know who Fred Allen was. But he wrote books, he wrote magazine articles, he appeared in films, and he was very much celebrated by the other comics of the time as being one of the greatest wits ever. And his programs are fun, especially if you can understand the topical references. If you can't, you can still get enjoyment out of the show, uh, but it helps to get the jokes when it's all about local stuff, especially local politics. He did a lot of uh, politi- political jokes on the show. So here we go. Fred Allen Show, May 26th, 1946. Can't find him, kiddies. Titus Moody will take over. <laughs> the Fred Allen Show. With Fred's guests, Mary Livingston's husband, Portland Hoffer, Minerva Pius as Mrs. Nussbaum, Alan Reed as Falstaff Openshaw, Parker Fenley as Titus Moody, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And until I start tooting the claghorn, my name is Kenny Delmar. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, Shakespeare said to be or not to be. Benjamin Franklin said, remember, time is money. But for the last eight months, all I've said is here he is again, Fred Allen. <laughs> Thank you and good evening. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And Kenny, I happen to overhear your opening remarks. Lad, if you are unhappy in your work... Well, how can I be happy, Fred? Every Sunday, what do I do? I have one line. Here he is again. Kenny, the man who invented the telephone only had one line when he started. Mr. Allen! Well, pardon me. Well, Portland, pull up an old rejoinder and sit down. What's new? Mama says Friday is your birthday. That's right. How old are you? Nobody knows, Portland. I was born before the Decker Company started, so there weren't any records in those days. <laughs> Mama says... Mom... Now, don't you laugh. Don't you stop laughing. You're going to establish a precedent in here. I want to know about it. Come to me. Mama says last year when the candles on your birthday cake melted down... Yeah? There was enough grease to wax the floor at Roseland. Oh, I'm... A, I'm not that old, Portland. Mama says if you were a piece of furniture, you'd be an antique. Yeah. <laughs> if I was an antique in radio, I'd be Duncan's other fife. <laughs> well... Well, that's life, I guess, Portland. Mama says life is like the Australian fig bird. The Australian fig bird? It lives on the seeds and figs. But there aren't any figs in Australia. The Australian fig bird dies at birth. And the Australian fig bird has nothing on our jokes, let me tell you. <laughs> that, um, I think we'd better get along to Allen's Alley, Portland. What is your question tonight? Well, recently, a Mr. Ralph Slater, a specialist in mental suggestion, made a phonograph record that he guarantees will put any insomniac to sleep. And so our question is, do you have any trouble sleeping? And if you do, what are you doing about it? Shall we go? As the dollar dinner said when the glutton sat down, I'll be gone in a minute. <laughs> It's so good to get back to Allen's Alley, Portland. It's as quiet as an eel coiling in a bucket of whipped cream. <laughs> Say, I wonder... I wonder if the senator is in. Let's knock. Somebody, I say, somebody now. Yes, Clag I am. Uh, Claghorn's the name, Senator Claghorn, that well, now, is. Look, I know. Something tells me you don't remember me, son. Look, I remember I'm you. I'm from the South. The Pone and Possum Paradise. Now, look, Senator. The only plant life I have around my house is a Virginia creeper. Now, wait a minute. Every time I get chicken pox, they're southern fried. <laughs> Senator. You remember me now, son? No. Don't say no in my presence. Why not? N-O, that's North abbreviated. <laughs> Minute, Senator. What about this sleeping problem? When I, I say, uh, when I first went to the Senate, I had plenty of trouble sleeping. You, uh... After the roll was called, I'd put on my sailsucker night shirt and yeah. my Lindsay Woolsey beret. Yeah? Yeah, I'd face the South, lean back, close my eyes. And go to sleep, huh? Until some Yankee pigeon plucker would get up, start flapping his lips, and break up my Morpheus filibuster. <laughs> filibuster, that I, is. Uh, Heard you the first time, Senator. Are you still uh, losing sleep, Senator? No, I've solved my problem, son. How? When I'm ready to sleep in the Senate, I sit back and croon myself my southern lullaby. What is your southern lullaby? 
rock a bear, small fry on the cotton tree top. When the southern wind blows, your cradle will rock. When the wind's from the north, I say, baby, you'll ball. For down will come cradle tree and you all. Well, very good, Sandam. So long, so long, so long, Well, the senator stopped just in time. I was dozing off myself. Say, I wonder how Titus Moody is doing. Howdy, bub. <laughs> You're starting to sound like Dennis Day, Titus. Do you have any trouble sleeping? I only half sleep. Half sleep? I got short eyelids. <laughs> With short eyelids, you can't close your eyes, eh? Only when I frown. Oh, I see. Well, are you the only one awake on the farm? No, daylight saving time has got everything in a swivet. The animals are bewildered? Yeah, my cow had insomnia. Your cow didn't sleep at all? The bags under her eyes were so big, I didn't know which end to milk. You were confused, eh? Yeah. First time I milked the wrong end and got two buckets full of homogenized tears. Well, have you cured the cow's insomnia? I got a book on hypnotizing. Good. I stood in front of the cow. Yeah. I stared right into her eyes. Uh-huh. I started waving with my hands. Uh-huh. I said, Alagazam, Alagazen, you ain't a cow, you're a hen. You're a, you're a hen. Well, was your hypnotism a success? Yeah. Today, that cow thinks she's a hen. Well, how do you know? Well, she's sitting on a nest. You mean? She's laying eggnogs. <laughs> so long, <man. laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, let's, try, let's try this next door here. No. Oh, Mrs. Nussbaum. You are expecting maybe Hoagie Carbuncle. <laughs> Tell me, Mrs. N, do you have trouble sleeping? Who could sleep? Every night with his dreaming, my husband Pierre is waking me up. He dreams, huh? Always he has different things. Dreams he's different things? How do you mean? One night, Pierre is dreaming he is the lone stranger. Yeah. <laughs> All night long, he is yelling, Hi-ho, Silver! Hi-ho, Silver, huh? Upstairs is living a Mr. Silver. Yeah. <laughs> All night he is yelling back, Hi ho, Nussbaum! I, uh, I see. One night Pierre is dreaming he is an automobile, a roadster. A roadster? In his pajamas, Pierre is sleeping with the top down. Oh. <laughs> Fine. Once he is dreaming he is an Alka Seltzer. An Alka-Seltzer? All night, Pierre is fizzing. Well, no wonder. No wonder you can't sleep. Last night, he should drop dead. What? what happened? He is dreaming he is a tea kettle. A tea kettle, huh? All night long, Pierre is whistling. Whistling? In the morning when he is waking... Yeah? In bed with Pierre is 20 dogs. <laughs> well, after... That brings us to the lavender shanty at the end of the alley. Let's try here. 
You knocked three times. Do you think that's nice? In my last picture, the postman rang twice. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh, Falstaff, you have new poems tonight? Indubitably. <laughs> Hast heard, said the little bear to the big giraffe, let's eat a hyena just for a laugh? No. Or uh, when I called her baby, her face lit up because she had a lantern jaw? No. <laughs> How about this? Mother's home putting spikes in her shoes. She's playing first base for Vera Cruz. Now, wait a minute, Paul. <laughs> you exponent of the hackney, tonight we are discussing the problem of sleep. My poem awaits your bidding. And what is your shut-eye sonata called? My recipe for slumber. How does it give? If you cannot sleep at night and you don't know what to do, my recipe for slumber is just the thing for you. Don't waste time taking powders. Don't bother counting sheep. Don't dawdle in a hot bath hoping you will sleep. Uh, don't give up drinking coffee. Don't send for any gland man. You can eat and drink all night, and still you'll meet the sandman. My recipe for slumber is older than the Sphinx. Just cut 20 tiddlies into halves, and you'll get 40 winks. Well, thank you. <laughs> and as Paul Staff runs for cover, we turn to greet the DeMarco sisters. Accompanied by maestro Al Goodman and his I Haven't Got a Joke for them this week Philharmonic, the DeMarco sing Doing What Comes Naturally. Folks are dumb where I come from. They ain't had any learning. Still they're happy as can be. A doing the what comes naturally. Folks like us could never fuss with school books and learning. Still we've gone from it to a doing the what comes naturally. You don't have to know how to read or write When you're out with a fella in the pale of moonlight You don't have to come from a great big town Not to go picking berries in an evening gown That comes naturally That comes naturally My uncle out in Texas Can't even write his name He signs his checks with X's But they cash them just the same Uncle Ben got angry when they caught him stealing chicken. I'm within my right, said he. A doing, a doing, a doing, doing, doing. A doing the what comes naturally. Why naturally? Naturally. was just a short order of Who Do You Love, I Hope, played by maestro Al Goodman and his 40 men who... This is Studio 6 hey, wait a minute, folks. wait a minute. This glass booth is the control room. Say, just a minute. That little man with the mildew on him is a vice president. Say, wait a minute. <laughs> what is this? This is a Radio City 60-cent tour. Okay, folks, let's get going. Hey, wait a minute. I got a stowaway here. A stowaway in a tour? Only 15 people paid. Now I got 16. <laughs> Who would be low enough to sneak into a tour to save 60 cents? There's the guy. Hey, you. <laughs> Who, me? Jack Benny. <laughs> Jack, uh, Jack. Come on, Jack. Jack. Come on, Jack. Take your hand off my spine. Put me down. Yes, guide. 
Put Mr. Benny down. I'll give you the 60 cents. Wait a minute, Fred. Wait a minute. Put that money away. But, Jack... I've only seen half the tour. Well, Jack... <laughs> give him 30 cents. Here you are, guys. Thanks. Follow me, folks. Now, on your right is a water cooler. <laughs> well, Fred... It was nice of you to pay that 30 cents. Oh, it was nothing. Nothing, he says. 30 cents. <laughs> Jack, how can you be so cheap? All right, go ahead. Be like the other radio comedians. Tell some cheap jokes. Say I'm tighter than the skin on Sidney Greenstreet's hip. <laughs> I squeeze a nickel so hard the E pluribus laps over the unum. Tell him. Well, Jack, I didn't... Oh, start insulting me after I made a, st a special trip up here just to say goodbye before I leave for Hollywood. Well, Jack, I... All of a sudden, I'm cheap. I won't even eat in the sun. My shadow might ask me for a bite. <laughs> Your shadow has teeth? <laughs> Jack, now look. Jack, don't... <laughs> Jack, don't get excited. Look, if you're cheap, you're cheap. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> Some people save asparagus ends. It's a hobby. My hobby is not spending. <laughs> Well, Jack, if there ever was a time that you and I should not argue, this is the time. What do you mean, this is the time? Well, a lot of, haven't you heard, a lot of the radio programs that have been on for many years have been canceled. Well, that's radio, Fred. It's dog-eat-dog. Dog. I always say, only the fit survive. Oh, how true. By the way, you, uh, you finished tonight, didn't you? <laughs> yes, sir. Tonight was my last show of the season. The season ends, the sponsor shakes hands with me, and then we... Yike! <laughs> Jack. Jack, what's, what's wrong? Tonight he didn't shake hands. <laughs> well, that's what happened to the street singer. <laughs> At the end of the year, his sponsor used to wink. One year he didn't wink, the street singer was back in the street. But Fred, why should my sponsor want to get rid of me? Well, I'm funnier than I was when I started, and I'm getting less money. Really? Some weeks when he's short, I take tobacco. <laughs> I hate well, to get these big laughs on your program. I... <laughs> Let's face it, Jack. Radio needs new blood. Who knows? We, we, we may be through. I've been on radio 14 years. They can't throw me aside like an old shoe. But Jack... 14 years. And now... Like an old shoe. But, Jack, you with that hmm and yipe, 14 years is a long time. Fred, what has Mark Perkins got that I haven't got? Only longer commercials. <laughs> well, Jack, you know how it is in radio. Today you're a star. Tomorrow, Ralph Edwards is hitting you in the face with a pie. Like an old shoe. Well, cheer up, Jack. At least we have our memories. We've known each other for 30 years. Yep. The first time I met you, Fred, I was just a kid in school. A diller, a dollar, a ten o'clock scholar. You were the only ten o'clock scholar I ever saw with five o'clock shadow. <laughs> How I could use some of that fuzz today. <laughs> I could use a good joke today, too. <laughs> the next time we met, we were in vaudeville, remember? You were doing a musical act. Playing the violin. What a finish I had. When I played Glowworm, my violin lit up. With those neon strings, it was beautiful. Fred, remember my encore? Encore? Remember I'd put the violin bow in my teeth, bend the crab, and play Listen to the Mockingbird? And as you bent the crab, two mockingbirds flew out of the back of your pants. I stopped every show. 
bathroom. <laughs> Except this one. Remember the closing... Remember the closing... This one stopped five minutes before I got on it. Stopped with Cash Daly. Remember, remember that week in Needles, Arizona, the closing act, Cohen's Camels... Cohen's... No, no, The I closing don't. act. Jack, how could you forget Cohen's camel? Cohen, I remember. My sponsor told me to forget that other word. <laughs> ah, those were the happy days. The next time I saw you, you were just going into radio. Radio. I remember the morning Marconi called me up. <laughs> Marconi? Marconi and Singing Sam had a little radio station in a doorway down on the east side. The antenna was a Western Union boy holding a wire. Well, I guess it's... The jokes don't fit. No, they don't. The antenna. When did I ever say antenna on my own show? Go ahead, Fred. Well, it's all over, Jack. We've come to the end of the rainbow. Like an old shoe. Like There it is again. Been on ten minutes already. I've only had it for an old shoe. Oh, I forgot antenna. Excuse me. We ought to get a boot out of that old shoe by now. No, I'm sorry I brought it back in again. Seems like only yesterday I ran into the May Company and said, Mary, stop demonstrating that Brillo. That's another word I don't know. It goes on top of an antenna. A Brillo fits on an antenna. Cheer up, Jack. When When you're retired, you can tune in on my program. Your program? You mean you're not getting thrown out of radio, too? Well, why should I? Listen, if my program is old stuff, you with that broken-down Alan's Alley... No, well, wait, I mean my new show. New show? Uh, people don't want entertainment today. A radio show has to give away things. Nylons, iceboxes, automobiles. You mean to stay on the air, you have to give things away? Free? Yes. <laughs> I'll die first. <laughs> Well, not me. I'm auditioning my new program tonight. And you're, Fred, you're giving things away? Tons of stuff. To strangers? What's the difference who gets it? Well, Fred, as long as I'm here in the studio... No, I'm sorry, Jack. Professional... (laughs) Professional people cannot participate. It's a rule. But don't you ever find people on these programs changing their names to... To get something for nothing? Well, occasionally we do catch a phony, but we're on the air. What can we do? Nothing. You you have to give them the merchandise? That's right. Hmm. Now, Mr. Allen, we're ready for your audition. I'll run along, Fred. So long. So long, Jack. Hmm. Giving away things for nothing. Well, all right, Mr. Goodman. Let's try out my new show. How would you like to be king for a day? <laughs> change one of you nobodies into king for a day, the old kingmaker himself, Fred Allen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And good evening. Did all you folks in the audience like those $1,000 bills you found on your seats when you came in? Yeah. Good. And if you want more, there'll be a big bag of money at the door. <laughs> on your way out, help yourselves. But the stage is loaded with hundreds of presents for the first man to answer our jumbo jackpot question. He will be king for a day. And here is our first eager contestant, Good evening, sir. What is your name? Abner Flog. Uh, Mr. Flog, how old are you? I'm 98. Ni- 98 years old. And don't pin no orchid onto me. No, uh, no orchid, eh? That's how I lost my wife. 
On a quiz program? Yeah. My wife was 102. A fella pinned an orchid onto her. I see. The weight of the orchid bent my wife over and snapped her spine. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Yeah, my wife won first prize, but she never knew it. Well, all right, Mr. Flog. Now for our question. You may be king for a day. I don't think I'll last through the day. <laughs> All right, we'll hurry. Tell me, who was the sixth president of the United States? The sixth? There were three names. Mary Margaret McBride? Oh. <laughs> I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Flog, but for making such a swell try, here is a gift certificate presented at LaGuardia Airfield, and you will get a brand new B-29 and a polka dot form-fitting parachute. Happy landing, Mr. Flock. And here is our next potential king for a day. Your name, sir? Myron Proudfoot. <laughs> Myron Proudfoot? You look like a chap I know. I'm not interested in your friends. Start giving things away, brother. <laughs> what is your occupation, Mr. Proudfoot? I'm a chaplain in a bakery. What does a chaplain do in a bakery? I put wings on angel cakes. <laughs> How long have you been in the cake business, Mr. Proudfoot? Long enough to know a crumb when I see one. <laughs> when I see one. Now, don't get sarcastic, Mr. Proudleg. The name is Proudfoot. Make with the question. All right. Who is the sixth president of the United States? John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams is correct. And Mr. Myron Proudfoot is king for a day. <laughs> Folks, here he is, King Proudfoot. Well, Your Majesty, how do you feel? Never mind how I feel. What do I get? Well, first... <laughs> first, for His Majesty from Schnook Sport Nook, a genuine no-splash beaver board canoe paddle. Here a canoe paddle? <laughs> oh, boy! And with the compliments of Tiffany's, this chromium pitchfork. Gee, a four-pronger, and it's all mine. <laughs> and from Hemingway's hardware store, 200 pounds of self-hardening putty for King <laughs> Just what I needed, just what I needed. This is just the beginning, King. King, you are over 35. By two years. Fine, that jumbo cotton, Uncle Jim, for his majesty. He is over... <laughs> Epi, that's yipe, backward. <laughs> and here, the piston rod from a genuine Baldwin locomotive for His Majesty the King. <laughs> a small locomotive. And here, from Melody Lane Music Shop, this case of 2,000 soybean mandolin picks. These are the mandolins. I just keep pinching myself to believe it. Immediately after this program, Your Majesty will be guest of honor at a banquet at Hamburger Heaven. Tomorrow morning, through the courtesy of the sanitation department, you will be guest conductor on the 11-5 garbage run through the Bronx. <laughs> At night, in your ermine robe, you will be whisked by bicycle to Orange, New Jersey, where you will be the judge in a chicken cleaning contest. I'm king for a day! And that's not all. There's more? Yes, we are going to start right now to make you look like a king. Sam of Sam's Super Shoe Shine Stand is here to brush your shoes. All right, Sam. Sam, watch out for the button. Next, the president of the Busy Bee Hat Cleaners is here to block your hat. Take the king's hat, Mr. Bumble. And change the newspaper in the hat band. 
Your suit is a little baggy, King. Boys, take his majesty's coat off. On our stage, we have a Hoffman pressing machine. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. An expert operating the Hoffman pressing machine will press your trousers. Now, wait a minute. Take his off, boys. You bet I'll keep my shirt on. We're a little late, folks. Tune in now, again. Come on, Alan, give me my pants. Quiet, King. Alan, listen to play. <laughs> Where are my pants? Danny, for 15 years I've been waiting to catch you like Alan, this. Alan, you haven't seen the end of me. It won't be long now. I want my pants. Allen Show, rebroadcast for our armed forces overseas. And now it's goodbye from Portland Hoffa, Minerva Pius, who is heard as Mrs. Nussbaum, Alan Reed, who is Falstaff Openshaw, Parker Fenley, who does the part of Titus Moody, Kenny Delmar in the role of Senator Claghorn, the DeMarco sisters, Al Goodman and his orchestra, Fred's special guest, and Fred Allen himself. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. Well, all that uh, filler music definitely identifies it as an Armed Forces Radio Service broadcast. They're doing a parody there of a show called Queen for a Day, and they called it King for a Day so it could fit in with Jack Benny and all their feud. Fred Allen hated quiz shows. He thought it was the ultimate insult to radio. He wanted more uh, straight comedy or regular drama or something other than people giving things away uh, in a quiz show. And sure enough, three years after this broadcast, Fred Allen made his last appearance on NBC Radio. Uh, He got kicked off because the quiz shows became more popular than the comedy shows, and Fred Allen sort of went away from radio. He continued to make guest spots on other people's shows, went into television, and as I said earlier, died in 1950. 
55, 56, somewhere in there. There were lots of ad-libs in this particular one, and I the network version does survive. The only copy around is apparently not particularly good, because we listened to a little bit of it here thinking we would use it, but eh, it didn't sound that good, whereas this sounds good. This sounded actually really good. Which brings me to a point from a long time ago, when I first started collecting vintage radio shows in the 70s, Armed Forces Radio Service programming was looked down upon by collectors, mainly because the original commercials were removed and any references to uh, any type of commercial product was usually removed, and they would replace it with um, music, like you heard on this show where they did Sheik of Araby at the very beginning and something else, I forget what the other song is at the end. But they would, they would basically take a full half-hour broadcast cut out all of the commercial references, put in new music and some new new announcing, and then uh, broadcast it overseas to the servicemen, which was a great, great thing because if you were in the Army, you weren't home to listen to these shows. You got to hear them from wherever in the world you were through the Armed Forces Radio Network. Well, yeah, that was all a great thing except for they were edited. And so when we all first started collecting radio shows back in the 60s and 70s, we all wanted the complete shows. We wanted to hear, for instance, uh, Tenderleaf Tea commercials in this show. Fred Allen at this point was sponsored by Tenderleaf Tea. And sometimes Fred and Portland would do the commercials themselves, and so they were kind of kind of cute and entertaining. And that's what we wanted. We didn't want these cut-up Armed Forces radio shows. So a lot of the people who were collecting transcription discs kind of ignored all of those what we called AFRS transcriptions, didn't bother buying them, didn't bother picking them up, and they kind of got tossed by the wayside. Well, now it's, what, 40, 50 years later, and there's a lot of programs that never, ever surfaced on original network transcription. Uh, they just didn't. They were either destroyed or lost or whatever, and they haven't turned up. And so now people are taking a second look at these Armed Forces radio transcriptions and going, well, at least you get the body of the program. You get, if it's a comedy program, you get all the major skits, you get the guest stars. If it's a dramatic show, you get at least the dramatic portion of the show. You miss out on the commercials, you miss out on a few little announcements, but hey, you get the majority of the show. So now they are quite sought after again, and um, I think that's kind of a good thing because I just love listening to that one because it's a great show, but also it sounds good. And there are a lot of programs out there circulating, as you people know who listen to other forms of old-time radio, they're not particularly good-sounding overall. Sometimes they are, but a lot of times they're not. Here on the Good Old Days of Radio Show, we go out of our way to provide you with the very best-sounding old-time radio programs possible. So not only do you get the best-sounding shows, in my opinion, you get the best shows, too, because we are looking for only those things that we feel would appeal to a modern audience. Now, Fred Allen is still a little bit dated. Some of the references in that show may have gone over some of you younger folks' heads, but that's okay. It'll send you scurrying to the dictionary or the encyclopedia or, hey, they don't even make those things anymore, scurrying to Google to find out what he was talking about with a few of those references. But that's good. You'll learn things, and that's always a positive thing. 
So, uh, there you have it. Fred Allen, one of my all-time favorite comedians, master ad-libber, as heard in this show, along with Jack Benny, who seems to be still very, very popular. Uh, Jack Benny has maintained his fan base over the years, and it um, continued to expand a bit, whereas Fred Allen kind of dropped into obscurity. But it's our job here at the Good Old Days Radio Show to bring him back and let you hear good examples of Fred Allen so you can see what a great comedian he really was. And that's it for me in the Good Old Days of Radio Show. So thank you very much for listening. Back on Thursday, continuing our series of Radio Noir, and then back next Tuesday with more comedy or drama or variety or something similar other than Radio Noir. So until then, this is John Tefteller saying goodbye. (laughs) 